On today's episode, Drew talks about Alyssa is queerdo, and Stan will talk a mixture of things. You're listening to Bad in the Boondocks, baby. Bad in the Boondocks. Bad in the Boondocks. People put it down, but what you're supposed to do in a small town. Bad in the Boondocks. Bad in the Boondocks. Lord, have mercy, can't help being bad in the Boondocks. Hey, and welcome to Bad in the Boondocks. As always, I'm one of your hosts, Stan. And I'm Drew. And as always, we are super glad that you're listening to us. Yes. Just got finished with the True Crime Podcast Festival yesterday. And that is, we had a great time. Love meeting the fans. Also love meeting new podcasts. Like, um. The Bad Taste Crime Cat. Yeah, yeah. And, um, Heather. From Nature versus Narcissism, yep. and, Jen um, and Cam. Can, yep, Jen and from Cam. our True Crime podcast. But that is why our episode is a day late today because we did try to record in Chicago. Chicago it was is very so bad loud. with crime. Yeah, there are too. There was too much sirens going on and people in the hallway. So we tried it twice yesterday. wasn't working out. Scratched it. Now we're in the mountains of Tennessee. Yep. And so we are here in our quiet condo trying to record a third time because three, a charmer. Yes. And today, Drew has the title of Going First, I do believe. Yes, but before we get into it, go and check out our Twitter and on Instagram. All that you have to do is just look up Bad in the Boondocks and you'll find us or... Better yet, go and leave, um, rate and review us. Hopefully leave us five stars if you like us. And I think that's, what else? Well, uh, the biggest thing is rating and um, subscribing, but also telling your friends, sharing us on any social media and getting the word out there and help us grow our listener base. We're still a really tiny podcast and we really want to grow. Nobody likes to be tiny. Yeah. <laughs> we want to be a big Southern boy. <laughs> All right, Drew, are you ready? Yep. All right, let's get this rolling. Okay, well, I'm going to talk about the tragic death of Elisa Esquerdo. Elisa Esquerdo was born on February 11th, 1989, in Woodhull Hospital, Brooklyn, New York. Gustavo, her father, was a Cuban immigrant who had immigrated to America with aspirations to become a dance teacher, and her mother, Awada, was a Puerto Rican raised in Brooklyn. They met at a Fort Greene homeless shelter two years before Alyssa's birth. Okay, so they were both homeless. No. There, Gustavo worked part-time as a cleaner and caterer. Okay, a caterer? Yeah. Wow, that was a nice homeless shelter. Must have been. Mostly just think of soups and stuff at a homeless shelter. Yeah, I know. They have personal caterers. Yeah. (laughs) Awada was living at the shelter because she had been evicted. And that's the mom's name? Yeah. 
how do you pronounce that again? Iwalda. Iwalda? Yeah. Like a while ago? Sure. Okay. She had been evicted from her apartment. She shared with her previous partner, Ruben Rivera. They were evicted, being unable to pay rent, in part caused by her extensive usage of narcotics. Gustavo and Awada were temporarily together, but Gustavo left her. So she was homeless. Yeah. Okay. Whenever he found out that she was a regular user of crack cocaine during the time, Awada was pregnant with um, Alyssa. Because of her drug use, she lost custody of her two eldest children, Ruben Sino and Casey. So she had two children already. Yeah. Was homeless with them doing drugs. Yep. She got with Gustavo. Got pregnant. Had her... I guess she moved in with him. Had, um, I guess, but they're not together now, so... Right, but when they were together. I would believe so. But um, she lost custody of them to her own family in January 1989. Being a frequent drug user, when Alyssa was born, full custody was given to the father, Gustavo. It appeared that Gustavo was a very caring father to Alyssa. One family friend even said she was his life. He would always say... She was his princess. In 1990, Gustavo enrolled Alyssa in preschool, but his um, constant ailing health complicated his ability to pay for Alyssa's schooling. Well, one day, because she was such an outstanding student, teachers introduced her to one of the school's patrons, Prince Michael of Greece, in 1993. Wow. Yeah. When he arrived, Alyssa jumped into his arms and stayed with him the entire day. At the end of the day, he offered to pay for Alyssa to go to Brooklyn, friend school until 12th grade. She would express her thanks with drawings or notes she would send to him. The same year, Alyssa was enrolled in preschool. A social worker had said that Awada had gotten better and beat her addiction. In November 1991, Awada Lopez was given the right to have had unsupervised visits with her daughter Alyssa. Now, who said that she was had beat the addiction? A social worker. Okay. Um, she was awarded her custody of of Alyssa every second weekend. And she she had the two older children now. I think. Because if not, I'm not seeing why she would be, you know, starting to have. Well, no, the custody still got taken from from her. I'm not sure. I think that the weekend visits might include them too, actually. Yeah. Um, Where was I at? That she was given unsupervised visits, weekend visits. Yeah, Awada's two oldest children informed relatives that Alyssa would be beaten and neglected by her mother and stepfather during her visits. Okay, so I think she had those children all the time. Yeah, she did. 
But the relatives did not inform authorities. Alyssa's father and teachers, they did notice bruises and other signs of physical mistreatment when she would return from these unsupervised visits. One of the locations of Alyssa's injuries was her genitalia. She told them that she that um her mother repeatedly hit her and knocked her locked her in cupboards, adding that she never wanted to see her mother again. And how old was she now? She was young. She was still pretty young. Like in preschool. Because uh, she was like, that's some hard, you know, for yeah. her to say. Her father also noted that Alyssa had begun bedwetting in addition to losing control of her bowels. Which is always, I mean, that is a sure sign that abuse yeah. or something's going on. Mental, physical. Yeah, and would regularly experience nightmares upon learning she was to be in the custody of her mother for even short periods of time. So where's the social worker now through all this? Not really doing much. That's what. Another relative said that Alyssa would always vomit upon her return from these visits and refuse to enter bathrooms. Gustavo and teachers informed authorities about the abuse. Um, Alyssa also told a social worker about this, and her father applied in 1992 to have Awilda's visitation rights taken. But, of course, the court ruled that she could continue on the conditions that she not strike or harm her daughter. Okay, but it already is very much evidence that she's doing that. I know they just don't. And she it's like was they just don't care. So it, it, she should be going, having to do drug tests, screens, and all of this at this time. Especially, and I mean, if you if the child was if you lost your custody, yeah, because you were addicted to drugs, and then you're giving the first report. I mean, you should be looked into. It should be supervised visits. And also, I'm not hearing anything about drug screening, which should be happening. Exactly. Because I don't care if a social worker saying she kicked the habit because social no, worker doesn't because, really know shit. Yeah, they don't really know. But anyways, um, her father applied in 1992 to have a wildest visitation rights taken. Oh, yeah, I already read that. <laughs> but um, in 1993, Gustavo Esquerdo formed plans to relocate with Alyssa to his native country, which is Cuba. Yeah, but I bet that's not going to fly. Well, he um, is known to have purchased airline tickets for himself and his daughter, with the travel date being May 26, 1994. However, in May, Gustavo was admitted to the hospital with acute respiratory complications, which he had lung cancer. How old was he? I'm not exactly sure. But um, he died on May 26th, the same date that he had planned to travel to Cuba with Alyssa. Okay, super freaky. Yeah. And also super tragic because I can tell you that it's not going to go uphill at all probably for a year. Well, upon hearing the news of Gustavo's death, the director of Alyssa's school, Phyllis Bryce, contacted a family court judge to express the grave concerns of both himself, herself, and numerous members of the school staff as to the child's safety should her mother 
gained custody of her. Awada Lopez's application to receive permanent custody of Alyssa was approved in September 1994. When she was awarded Alyssa, well, she took her out of private school where Alyssa was seen to be withdrawn emotionally. Bueno, she took her out of private school and then she started attending Manhattan's public school. And there she was seen to be withdrawn, emotionally disturbed, uncommunicative, and would frequently urinate. And she was thriving at the other school she was Yeah, in. yeah. And what I don't understand is if you're going to beat the child or whatever, if you don't have, why fight for the custody or get the custody if you obviously don't want them? I don't know. Well, the principal of the school noted that Alyssa had numerous bruises walked with apparent difficulty, and had evidently began tearing out sections of her hair. By this time, Awada was known to have um, used crack cocaine again. Oh, so I guess she didn't completely beat the addiction. Yeah. Awada took Alyssa out of public schooling and took no effort to enroll her in any other school. Some of the abuse that took place upon Alyssa was witnessed by her siblings. She was repeatedly punched and kicked, was made to eat her own feces, or forced to drink ammoniated water. She was also she also used her hair as a mop, inflicted burns on her head, face, and body, and sexually violated her both vaginally and anally with a hairbrush and toothbrush. Okay. Walter's partner, Carlos Lopez, who was also a heavy user of drugs, is known to have repeatedly physically abused and neglected Alyssa and her two older siblings, primarily due to the fact none of the three were actually his biological children. Carlos Lopez was jailed on November 15th in relation to a violation of parole. Seven days later, on the evening of November 22nd, Awada phoned one of her sisters, Mercy Torres, to report that Alyssa was laying on the bed with fluid, which was brain fluid, leaking from her nose and mouth. Lopez also told her sister that Alyssa would not eat or drink. Well, I guess not. Probably not. not. Torres, able to at this yeah, point. Yeah, I know. Torres then insisted that Awada take her daughter to the hospital, in which she replied, I'll think about it, after she had finished cleaning the dishes. The following morning, Awada contacted a neighbor. Okay, whom, so where, the sister didn't go over to the house? I don't think so, no. Okay. Every single adult that's coming to any of this child's life is just as much to blame to me to me, as the mother. Yeah, I know. Well, um, a while contacted a neighbor whom she invited to view Alyssa's lifeless body. Because that's what you do. To, you know, that's what... Mm. Why not? Well, upon being unable to locate signs of life, this neighbor told a to call the police. Don't even tell her. Well, she just... just We'll just wait. call it. I understand that, but don't even tell her to do it. In which she refused to do so. 
In response, the neighbor immediately called the police and ambulance as Awada threatened to commit suicide. Once Awada was in custody, she confessed to throwing Alyssa headfirst into a concrete wall two days before calling her neighbor. She said that Alyssa didn't talk or walk after this incident. Probably not. Yeah, I know. And, and the thing is, she, she tried. She tried. Actually, I watched the video. She tried to blame it on Carlos, in which he was jailed at this time, and it did not fly by. The they were like, "How? How is he going to do this? Because he couldn't possibly do it. He's he's jailed at this time." So Hell, I'm so surprised did she didn't it. blame it on her other children. And she would not take responsibility of it until I mean, but- she can. Finally confessed to it. But I'm not sure if she does have the other children, because if she does, seems like one of them would have said something to somebody. Hey, there's my sister's laying pretty dead in the bed at our house. Yeah, I know. Well, um, she said that Alyssa didn't talk or walk after this incident. When an autopsy was done on Alyssa's body, it showed... Broken fingers, one bone was even protruding through the skin, damage to internal organs, deep welts and burns across her head, face, and body. Her genitalia and rectum showed evidence of trauma, including tearing. Forensically, it was proven that the injuries had been sustained over a prolonged period of time. Alyssa Iscardos Funeral was held on November 29, 1995. The service was directed by the Reverend Gianni Agostinelli, who informed the estimated 300 mourners in attendance that Alyssa had been murdered, not only by her mother, but by the silence of many, by the neglect of child welfare institutions and the moral mediocrity that has intoxicated our neighborhoods. Alyssa's casket remained open throughout the ceremony. A single red rose was placed into her hand. Her coffin was filled with white flowers and a Barbie doll that was given to her by her father, which was known that she had cherished it, was placed by her body. Many mourners placed additional flowers, toys, stuffed animals, and notes of sympathy in and upon her coffin prior to her casket being closed and her burial at Cypress Hill Cemetery. Alyssa's gravestone bears a plaque in which it reads, World, please watch over the children. On June 25, 1996, Awada Lopez pleaded guilty to the second-degree murder. To second-degree murder. Yeah. Of her daughter in a hearing held before Judge Alvin Schlesinger at the New York State Supreme Court. Upon the advice of her attorney, Daniel Allen, Lopez pleaded guilty to this deal offered by the prosecution team with the knowledge she would become eligible for parole after serving 15 years in prison. Really? Wow, because, and I don't really care how others feel that this could be wrong, but 
all that was done to that little child. Let's let that abuser and killer go to jail and enjoy free TV, free food, exactly, free room and board, free hell, meals. Let's, hell, let's even let her get a freaking diploma. Yeah, a diploma. You know, and then get out. Hell, she could come out a lawyer. Exactly. And then lock other people up for stuff. And I'm sorry, but I don't feel that they need, they don't deserve people like that rights like we're giving them. No. The following month, Judge Schlesinger sentenced Awalda Lopez to a term of 15 years to life. Prior to formal sentencing, Judge Schlesinger openly criticized the child where... I just cannot hardly... Welfare. It's welfare. It's welfare. But I'm so... I just can't hardly get it out like that. Welfare system. Within New York stating, We have not created procedures to do everything necessary to protect the young and vulnerable in this society. The system has failed to protect our babies, and don't tell me how much it costs. If anything is to become of this horrendous tragedy, then it will be that we gave priority to these babies. Although Awalda Lopez initially became eligible for parole in 2010, she has remained incarcerated since August 1996. Lopez was most recently denied parole in July 2018, and her next scheduled parole hearing is to be held in July 2020. As of 2019, she remains incarcerated at the maximum security Bedford Hills Correctional Facility for Women. On October 29, 1996, Alyssa's stepfather, Carlos Lopez, was sentenced to serve between one and a half to three years in prison. To run consecutive with the sentence he was serving at the time of Alyssa's death, this sentence was in relation to one specific instance of physical abuse dating from October 31, 1995, in which he had repeatedly banged Alyssa's head against a concrete wall in front of her siblings. Although Carlos Lopez pleaded guilty to this charge of attempted second-degree assault, claiming he had not actually assaulted Alyssa, but had opted to spare his children the emotional trauma of having to testify against him. Because he he really cares about their emotional Exactly. He doesn't give a crap. But anyways, Judge Schlesinger rejected his claim outright, adding that the prosecution team had largely chosen to charge Carlos Lopez with this charge to spare Alyssa's siblings any further psychological or emotional trauma. I'm pretty sure that they're past that. It's like everybody's against the children. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, but they're past the emotional. I mean, you know. Yeah. They also don't even need to be, they don't have to be in the courtroom. I mean, they've already gotten their testimony. They don't have to be. Yeah, that's true. Anyways, the public was so outraged about Alyssa's death, saying that the mother, Awada, had been on drugs during all the abuse and the system did nothing about it. There were so many concerns for Alyssa's safety 
but nobody did a damn thing about it. Not even the child welfare authorities. And an update from the social worker, Awada has beaten her addiction again. (laughs) Yeah, right. Whatever. That's pretty messed up. I don't know. I mean, because like nothing, the judge saying that did nothing with. I know. And people can say, okay, yes, they're underfunded, they're overworked. But you know what? Then you don't have to go and say, oh, hey, she needs visitation because she's beating her thing. Just don't say anything. Let them still think that she's addicted. Exactly. That just if you've got time to do that, you've got time to whenever they say, hey, she's pulling her hair out. She's pissing on herself. Yeah. That just doesn't make sense to me. Okay. Well, today I'm doing a little something different. I've got two little short disturbing stories that I found. And I'm just going to read those today. Okay. Yeah. They're, and this one is from the um, the Star-Telegram. And it's about a mother arrested in baby's death. Police arrested a woman after she told authorities that she severed her 11-month-old daughter's arms at her Plano apartment. The infant died at Plano Medical Center, which is less than two blocks from the baby's home at the Fairway Apartments in the 1700 block of Colt Road. Police identified the mother as Dina Schlosser, 35, a one-time Fort Worth resident, who they said had been charged with capital murder. You know what, but you always get the weird names. I know. Schlosser. Authorities did not release the child's name Monday, and they said they were not sure what was used to cut off the child's arms. Schlosser's husband was at work, and the couple's two other daughters, ages six and nine, were at school during the attack. According to the Associated Press, authorities found Dina Schlosser, 35, and the fatally injured baby on Monday after the child's father called a daycare center and asked them to check on his wife and daughter. Yeah, but how can you do that, though? How can you possibly cut off your child's arms? I just don't understand that about people. Daycare workers called 911 after talking to the mother, and a 911 operator then called the mother. The 911 operator asked Schlosser, if there was an emergency, according to 911 tapes released by the police, and Schlosser calmly responded, yes. Exactly what happened, the 911 operator asked. I cut her arms off, Schlosser replied. As the him, he touched me, played in the background. God bless. <laughs> yeah. You cut her arms off? The operator repeated, "Uh Uh-huh, she answered. Authorities said that when they arrived at the apartment, they found the baby in a bedroom with her arms cut off. Schlosser, covered in blood, was sitting in her living room. She was not trying to hide at all. The family was investigated by Child Protective Services in January shortly after the baby was born. I don't know if I trust them. Oh, they're great. Haven't you heard? (laughs) 
Yeah. From when Schlosser reportedly left the baby alone in the apartment and was running down a street. Someone saw her and called the police, and then when we got involved, a CPS worker followed up with the family and monitored to make sure mom was following up with a mental health professional. There was no indication of violence or abuse. Schlosser had symptoms of postpartum depression. Schlosser was held in the Collin County Jail. He's... State law prohibits police from saying whether Schlosser had a criminal history. Let's protect the criminals. <laughs> of course. CPS spokeswoman said that there never were any concerns with the father. In fact, he had always been very appropriate and very cooperative. The workers were going to interview the other children and the dad and try to determine whether the other children need to be in CPS custody. I'm I not a professional, so. but I'm so. just going to say maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Definitely. Um, I just can't believe it. She loved those girls, said Al Sosa, a neighbor. Every time you saw her, she would be so loving toward them. Postpartum depression occurs when hormonal changes during pregnancy affect neurotransmitters in the brain, said Dr. Jay Crowder, assistant professor of psychiatry at the University of Texas. Crowder says symptoms include loss of sleep, appetite, or interest in usual activities. If this lasts for only a couple of weeks, the condition is called sudden baby blues. But beyond that point, a lot of depressive symptoms are considered abnormal. He said that women with severe cases of postpartum depression usually do not hurt anyone, but that some have suicidal thoughts that occasionally extend to their babies. In other words, a mother may feel she would be better off dead, but there's a loss of of the ego boundaries, and people have trouble telling where they end and where another person begins. Crowder said many such mothers are ashamed of their feelings, so they don't seek help. This is the second case of a mother being accused of killing her children in the past year and a half in Plano, Texas. Lisa Diaz was found not guilty of capital murder by reason of insanity in August last year and was sent to a state mental hospital for treatment. Jurors were told that Diaz had been depressed and delusional when she drowned her two daughters in a bathtub. Schlosser's apartment is less than five miles west of where Diaz drowned her daughters. I think that's a little odd. Yeah, I know. And my final story, in keeping with the wonderful treatment that children get by so many people. Huh. And this happened in 2004. Authorities said a Kansas woman who had a miscarriage early in the year confessed to strangling a pregnant Missouri woman in her home and then cutting the baby from her womb a crime the local sheriff described as the most gruesome he had ever seen. 
Lisa Montgomery, 36, of Melbourne, Kansas, was arrested and charged in the kidnapping of the child, resulting in the death of the infant's mother, Bobby Jo Sennett, 23. The infant girl has been recovered and was in good condition. The girl's father was reunited with her Friday, and she was the couple's first child. The baby's fine. The baby is doing great, U.S. Attorney Todd Graves said. Stennett was found dead in a pool of blood in her home by her mother, who called 911, saying it looked as though her daughter's stomach had exploded. Crime scene investigators later determined her womb had been cut laterally. The baby was removed and the umbilical cord was cut. The victim was found with blonde hair clenched in her hands. There we have another one. And if you look it up, yeah, there is case after case after case after case of really? horrible abuse. Yeah, I know. To children and and there's plenty of cases of people killing pregnant women and taking the baby out. I mean, it's shockingly a lot. Really? Wow. That's pretty messed up, though. I mean, I think that all of ours were very... Um, disturbing? Disturbing. As usual. Because it's dealing with It seems more disturbing when it's and, a kid. Yeah. I mean, and you have agencies that are and, supposed to be stepping in. Yeah, and they really, especially in these cases... They didn't do hardly, if anything. They did harm, if anything. Exactly. They- and that's going to be it for this episode on this Sunday after yes. True Crime Podcast Festival. We are glad that you stuck around with us. Yes. Again, we- please give us any suggestions or just let us know you love us. You can go to bad, I meant badintheboondocks.com. You can get in touch with us there. Like Drew said, with our social media, or you can email us at badintheboondocks at gmail.com. Yeah. And until next time, as always, I've been Stan. And I'm always Drew. We'll see you next time. In the boondocks. Bye.